Hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. As always, I'm Anthony Malakian, USA Editor of Waters, and I'm here with James Rundle, our news editor. Hello again. So, um, we are going to, in just a moment, talk about Jim's trip up to Cybos, uh, which will be happening this weekend. He'll be leaving. Head up there. He'll be up there for most of next week. And then we will kick into some M&A activity that we've seen um, recently, some interesting deals and potential deals coming up. We'll talk about that for a little bit. And then I'll rant about why Yankees fans are the worst people on the face of the planet. I'll offer a very feeble defense. Be good. There you go. Um, so, uh, but first up, before we get to any of that, we have the AFTAs are ending today. Basically, we did have the extension, but uh, there will not be another extension after this one. Uh, so you got to get it in today. If you didn't, then, you know, wait till next year, I guess, yeah, 2018. I mean- You've had long enough, guys. Come on, long enough time. Everybody likes to procrastinate. That's so that's ending now. So uh, the winners will be announced at a dinner in December at Waters USA, which will follow. No, that will follow. Waters USA is the conference in December, the American Financial Technology Awards. It is the longest day of the year, and I want to kill myself by the end of that day. (laughs) So whatever, cruel, cruel God. Decide the really, I do a conference and then an awards on a Monday. On a Monday as well. I mean, guys, come on, Friday at least. So throw yeah. us a bone. Well, anyway, you will get to meet uh, the editor in chief and our Asia reporter as well. Yep. Uh, Victor Anderson and Wei Shen will be in town for that. So, in a, uh, the other one thing I want to talk about is that we have the Innovation Summit coming up in November. Uh, I want to say 28th. Damn it, I forgot to write down the damn date. <laughs> Pretty sure it's 28th. We'll link to it somewhere around there. It's at the end of November. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the extension for the afters is Monday as well, is it not? So. Is it Monday? I think it's the 16th, yeah. So. We're doing a really great job to start this uh, program off here. Uh, so the Waters Technology Innovation Summit, we'll get the details of the date to you, but it's in London. Uh, we've got some really good speakers. Um, let's see, here. we have Oliver Bussman, of course, is going to be their former CTO of Credit Suisse and now one of the leading uh, Twitter figures, certainly, on uh, blockchain and AI. It's always been that. Yeah, yeah. Good old hashtag. Uh, yeah. Um, Stuart Carmichael, CTO of Schroeder, is going to be there. Uh from Deutsche Bank, we have uh, CDO JP Rangeshwamy, as well as uh, Head of Innovation Ellie Hardwick. Uh, we have AXA Investment Managers uh, Michael Colo is going to be there. Um, Joanne Hannaford from Goldman Sachs, representatives from Stage Street, HSBC Northern Trust, Barclays, a lot of different... It's all um, heavy hitters and all big stuff, right? I mean, yeah. You know, you've got to, you've got to go if you're even and, tangentially interested in it. And not only that, but there are going to be plenty of startups and you know, and small guys there too, so that you get to meet. So you get to hear from some of the big guys, and then you can learn uh, perhaps of some new products there. So it's a really good event at a date that I will tell you at some other time. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of innovation, next week, Cybos. Great, great transition. I love it. So good. It's all about these segues, man. You're so good at it. I'm just waiting for somebody to come on, but Tony, you got to produce your own radio show because, granted, you say um and uh about a thousand uh, times. I mean, you fuck up every single date, but exactly. apart from that, your transition work is just incredible. The transition. That's where it matters. <laughs> um, tell us, uh, James. So, you know, if Cybos was in a, a good exotic location, then I would be going. Yes. But then when I saw it was in Toronto, 
in, in October. October. I was like, mm, yeah, it sounds like a but job I, for James. I, I did check the uh, the temperature last week. It looks like it'll be hotter than New York, but that's probably changed. Yeah, no, yeah, no it's, it's actually been uh, really, really mild, at least here it's on been uh, the East Coast. Yeah, I'm, sort of, yeah. I'm ready for the hoodie weather, you know, it's yeah, a shame. This is it. But uh, um, what's, so what are you going to be doing up there? Uh, <laughs> what am I not going to be doing? That's the question. Um, Work, probably. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not Wednesday afternoon, that's Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> No, I meet a bunch of people. Um, Cybos, the themes this year are very much kind of in line with what we've been covering. So AI, um, blockchain, machine learning. Um, the, the, and that weird kind of Cybos bent they have all the time where you're not quite sure if it's Capital Markets Conference or if it's like a retail payments conference or something. And if anybody from the PR industry is listening, for the love of God, please, the last time I don't cover payments, stop cover payments. <laughs> How many times do I have to say this? Um, but it should be good. I think there's a lot of uh, decent speakers there from... Um, mostly sell side, I think, um, yep. big range of stuff. But um, a lot of fintech guys, a lot of consultancies, a lot of like quite learned people. Sure. Um, so it should be good. I'm meeting with a bunch of people from various banks, uh, fintech firms. If you see me um, and I ignore you, it's because I probably haven't slept for about 48 hours. So try not to hold it against me, but you know, grab me afterwards for a drink. Be good to chat. Sure. We're gonna have. Hopefully have a little bit of coverage. Uh, we'll, we're going to hopefully have a couple interviews that we'll put up for the podcast yeah. potentially uh, next week. Otherwise, we'll just have Jim Regalis with Tails. Um, and also plenty of news stories that are going to be coming out, obviously, that week that Jim will be covering. And also when he needs some uh, support, we'll also pick up if we need to help him out. But I'm going to try and ignore him the whole week while he's up there. It's understandable. I'm going to take my phone off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so it should be a pretty heavy coverage week next week. So check out whatwastechnology.com, obviously, for all the stories. And they'll be there day by day. Okay. And then the other thing, so looking at this week, a um, couple, um, you know, interesting. Uh, for, I thought that the first one, uh, what was it, on Monday or Tuesday, I think it was on the 10th, uh, whatever day that was, I think that was Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, trading Technologies, uh, Chicago's Trading Technology uh, platform, uh, Trading Technologies, who provides... Uh, trading platforms, TT platform, yeah, TT yep. platform, um, for me X Trader, the hard install. Um, they uh, bought uh, Norensic. Yep, you covered it. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so this is um, as Rick Lane said in the press call, kind of the the first time they've off they're stretching out into surveillance offerings really. So TT has obviously been a good EMS system, cross asset electronic trading of derivatives and what have you, but. Uh, what Neurendix does is it has an AI-powered kind of surveillance platform, so you can monitor um, trading in kind of near real time, they say, mm-hmm. identify some malicious patterns or if there's any sort of issues going on that you need to be aware of. Um, it's quite similar, actually, I guess, uh, to something earlier this year when NASDAQ acquired Cybernetics for a similar kind of thing. They had like a behavioral science sure. AI machine learning power platform that um, did broadly the same thing for the buy side. Um, but they're quite keen on this because they do say it's kind of you know the first step in this field. Um, they're very keen on AI. I think their CFO said it represents the definitive game changer for the fintech sector in this century, which is a bold prediction to in make 17, 17 years into the century. It's, uh, so they're going uh, they're going all out on this. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they're not really necessarily acquiring Neurensic though. It's um, it's more kind of they're acquiring a handful of people. They're acquiring the technology and some of the IP and yeah, the patents yeah. and what have you, and that, um, and they're kind of shedding the rest of it. So I think these guys are going to be brought on board to TT and become part of the team, and it's going to be rolled out sort of within the next six months. Sure, you mentioned the Nasdaq Cyber uh, Cybernetics. Um, 
acquisition. Mm-hmm. That to me makes a lot of sense to exchange operator buying this, you know, the NASDAQ already had a pretty uh, hefty uh, surveillance kind of package, so they were just expanding yeah. upon it. This month, yeah. For TT, how do they kind of view this as, what what do you, what do you think is kind of the differentiator as far as a competitor from a competition on a trading platform space for them to make this move? Well, they're saying that this is kind of the, uh, this is the, the first offering of its kind, really. So there's no installation required. It's literally push button access to real-time surveillance analytics, um, which is powered by AI and has that kind of pattern recognition, that analysis, and that behind mm-hmm. it. Um, whether that's actually the case or not, um, I'm somewhat dubious. I mean, a lot of people do this. Um, granted, not bundled with an EMS or an OMS or whatever, but um, you know, there are a lot of people in this space, as mm-hmm. evidenced by cybernetics and other people as well. Um, so for them, they think that's the big differentiator. They have this big kind of multi-asset platform. Uh, they have this huge kind of uh, muscular AI backbone now being sort of implanted into it. Mm-hmm. And they think it's compelling. So I guess time will tell. I mean, I did ask them on the press call whether they were planning any more sort of acquisitions in the space to build it out further. But they said, no, this is kind of it for now. They're yeah. just kind of focusing on integration over the next six months and seeing where it goes. Um, but interesting. It's, you know, new area for them. Obviously. I think, yeah, and we're really starting to see this a lot now where... A lot of bigger players are, there, there are so many now fintech startups populating the space. Everybody talks about the disruption that this mm. creates, hence why we're going to be having this um, this fintech conference in London later on. But, uh, you know, Norensic, I always thought it was a smart company. A couple times I talked to them, it sounded like they really had an interesting product. But um, now you see somebody like TT, you know, once they kind of get established two, three years out, yeah. all right, now's the time to make a move. Um, See, this is what I've been saying from the beginning about this fintech kind of craze that's gone on. Uh, it's something I'll be asking most people about at Cybos next week as well, because I'm probably going to do a feature on it in the future. But, um, you know, a lot of mania and a lot of focus has been on this kind of startup scene um, with people attacking very specific, very niche parts of the industry. So you have cybernetics and forensic targeting yeah. AI surveillance, and you have um, various other fintechs targeting things like reconciliations and trade processing and what have you. Um, and I've always thought that, you know, disruption was always something of a misnomer. I'd, I'd never actually thought they were going to be disruptive in the sense that they were going to displace, like, the big incumbent fintech firms, uh, like TT, like uh, NASDAQ to extent and Smarts. Um, yeah. I've always just thought that, you know, when the cream rises to the top, they'll just get kind of skimmed off by the big guys, and that's exactly. kind of where it goes. So I, I think, looking forward, I'm just wondering if all this effort the regulators put into sandboxes and everything... Now that it's starting to calm down, now that a lot of the startups have attacked these various sort of loopholes, whether it's actually kind of going to fizzle out a bit, you know, we'll see what happens, but um, it's an interesting question. And it seems like there's a really targeted space, right, you know, because, which kind of gets us to this other acquisition story, even though this is in it, but, you know, BNP Paribas also bought Forcia, Fortia, Forcia, however the hell you say it, you know, which is in the compliance monitoring uh, space as well, using AI, machine learning, um, and they, so I wrote a story today just kind of doing a rundown of where BNP Paribas Security Services, um, how they're using blockchain, how they're using AI, and also um, that they're looking to acquire a 40X fund. We'll get to that in just a second. Yeah. But on uh, the force end, you know, you really kind of see this now. Again, the big players in the compliance space, there's a real definitive use case for machine learning and AI. I think that that's obviously in the training space, there's a lot of, we, we, we talk a lot, you know, I wrote that feature, you know, kind of laying out some of the use cases, whereas mm-hmm. 
in the compliance space, there is a big push toward this right now, where it's yeah. the big players themselves, your IBMs, your NYSEC, guys like that, NASDAQ, obviously. Otherwise, people coming in now and just trying to buy their little portion yeah. of what they think are smart uh, acquisitions. And maybe here. it's just a sign that that, kind of, that particular sector of the fintech industry is now reaching maturity stage where companies can be bought and they are kind of in production with firms and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, the surveillance space particularly. I mean, I wrote a story earlier this week um, that follows on from the compliance and regulatory panel at BST America last mm-hmm. week. And they're just saying that, you know, a lot of this is driven by the increasing sophistication of regulators who are coming in now and expecting you to have these tools in place to be able to do it. And they expect yeah. you at minimum to be as good as they are. You know, yeah. And they're pretty good now. Um, it's fine because the regulators want some part of that. You know, yeah, they yeah. want that sophistication. But then also there is also a pushback in a lot of other regulatory cases where they don't like the idea of a black box. Right. You know, yes, regulatory yeah, yeah. compliance uh, solution. That's it. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, you know, it's, I guess it's just one kind of sector that's kind of, again, tied back to regulation and compliance and everything. But it's kind of been forced to develop quite quickly, whereas maybe the rest of fintech hasn't, which is why you haven't seen this kind of widespread acquisition area. But, you know... I think it's an industry that is moving into its next stage of kind of metamorphosis, I guess. And, yeah. Or chrysalis, sorry. And so, you know, kind of on that same vein of using acquisition of a, of a, of a vendor company to kind of fill in mm. uh, a little bit of a hole in an offering. Again, so the article uh, that I wrote on BNP Paribas, they're, they made over the last, they have a 10 year plan for global expansion of their security services unit. And specifically in the US, it's been a big hard push over the last five years um, with what they've been doing. Dandy Francesco wrote about it last year. So I had a chance to um, to uh, sit down with, well, I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head, Patrick Collette, sorry, <laughs> Chief Executive Officer of BNP Paribas Security Services. Gotta get that you know what happened? Show. No, I blame it you as an editor. Because I was like reading, because I remember I had his name in the deck, so I was looking in the deck being like, where's his, ah, oh, crap, he moved it in. Oh, Damn it. God, so, Damn it. Dude, it's such a fine edit. What you say? <laughs> So they have expanded. They have um, the their in the U.S. They had you know U.S. domestic custody, global custody, both in the U.S. collateral management, securities lending, middle office outsourcing, hedge fund administration. Um, Patrick said that the the one area where they just don't have is in Forty Act fund administration. Mm-hmm. So he said that they are going to be making a big acquisition soon that they'll be able to announce. They and he used that yet. terminology as well. He said big, didn't he? So yeah. he gave the impression there was going to be a, like a real kind of franchise buy that they were going yeah, to Yeah, that they'll be bringing in. And then so he said to go along with that because I said to him, I was like, okay, well, you know, so you guys are five years in. Let's say, you know, you still have another five years to go. What's going to be about that? He goes, well, this deal will require signing a deal doing all the the uh, approval, everything like that, and then the integration process will be, you know, wild. So that's yeah. part of this, that, you know, this last little piece will will require a big integration process sounds. And I asked him, you know, why not just build this yourself? You know, why mm-hmm. do you go about it? And he just said that, you know, on, on day one, you have to go with an established franchise. For us to be able to build that up, it would take a long time, and yeah. we're five years on, we don't have that kind of time in, in well, that I mean, horizon that you're looking for. Even people like SSNC, you know, the, the biggest fund admin out there, they did that by acquisition when they acquired Global. Right? Yeah, I mean, sure. You, you don't build that franchise from the ground up, it takes decades to yeah. sort of, you know, do it properly. It's, so now it's just, again, you know, you're just kind of seeing this acquisition pool, and it's really been the case over the last five years, is 
tons of big acquisitions, mm-hmm. a lot of consolidation in this industry. Yeah. You know, no matter what it is, you know. So obviously, the Forty Act Fund is a very niche space very that we're talking about American here. American kind of yeah. yeah. Um, but something worth checking out. It'll be interesting to see who they acquire if it ends up happening. Uh, Patrick said that they plan to have it done and announced before the end of the year, certainly. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if it happens when it happens. The other interesting front story I thought was. You know, we talk a lot about blockchain. Mm. You're going to be hearing a lot about blockchain up in Cybos. The one thing that I really thought was interesting, because we started talking about some of their blockchain efforts, which they have a lot of with uh, Fundlink um, is one at, uh, blockchain initiative. Um, what was the other one? Liquid Share that they have, which is a partnership with Euronext, Euroclear, and a bunch of uh, French banks. So they have a bunch of blockchain projects that are in the proof of concept stage right now, but there's yeah. nothing that's fully live yet. Yeah. So I said to him, I was like, you know, is this just kind of the blockchain space in general? You know, every time I hear about blockchain, nothing is actually live. No one's actually using this in their everyday, you know, production, whatever. And he's like, oh no, well actually we have, uh, we're gonna be going fully live with an internal blockchain for corporate actions. Mm-hmm. Um, so he wasn't able to give too much detail on it yet, but he said that within the next couple of weeks that they will be fully live on a corporate actions processing layer that will be built on the blockchain, purely internal. And so maybe that's kind of what we're going to be seeing here now over the next six months is internal blockchains that are actually in use. 2018, late into 2018, 2019 might be then the time yeah. that we start seeing the some of these larger uh, projects. Well, this is the thing, yeah. I mean, and we've got a couple of leads on. Uh, I mean, we know that at least one firm is using a blockchain system on its trading desk right yes. now, live to trade swaps, and and uh, that's also that. an internal project. That's too. an internal project. Yeah. Um, we're just kind of hammering out the final details on that, and then we're going to do a story on it probably. Um, we also know of another story we we can't really tell you too many details about, um, but. We know that there is there are other projects going live soon within the trading space, like real definitive use cases for live production environments. Yeah. It's actually it's interesting when I um, tweeted out your story, got a reply from uh, from a chap at Sapient just saying, "Ah, oh, well, you know, so they've got internal projects, external projects, consortia. It's all PAC." And I went, "Actually, the internal one is a live production live system production that's going system. in a couple of weeks." Yep. And he was like, "Oh, right, okay, I didn't realize that." Yeah, so, exactly. So the other two, yeah. every, all the other consortia stuff, all the other projects that they're working on with other companies that aren't really consortia, but just tailored, uh, like Liquid Share stuff like that, which is a, an actual startup that they created along with a bunch of other funds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are still proof of concept. We're not there yet. Yeah. Um, and he said that they hope to be live with Liquid Shares next year. Yeah. But that might get pushed to 2019. He didn't sound as defensive yeah. about that piece of it. Well, no, there's a couple of significant announcements coming out next week about uh, blockchain as well. So I'm expecting a few people to say this is our live system that we're yeah. going to be using now. Um, so we'll see. Post next week could be a very different landscape for blockchain. Yeah, hopefully over the next six months we, we start getting into more uh, specific details about that. So, again, we're going to have a lot of interesting stuff come up next week as James is going to be out in Toronto at Cybos. Um, and that will kind of drive our coverage next week and into probably even, you know, with some features maybe that you'll be looking to piece together yep. on the back of that. So keep an eye out for that. And, again, uh, the Waters Technology Innovation Summit in London. Keep an eye out for that because I don't remember the date. Um, <laughs> but you know what date I do know, James? What's that? I know that Friday, Friday. the Houston Astros – are going to be playing the New York Yankees in the ALCS. They are in Houston, right? Oh. In Houston, in yes, Houston. because yeah. we're a better team. We have a better team. We yeah. finished a better record. Have you managed we... to drain the, the pitch yet? Or is it just What's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a nice little dome in there. It's, got, it's not dome. It's a retractable roof. 
coolest one, the coolest stadium. On a very side note here, if ever you're down in Houston, Houston is the a pain Minute. in the butt to get around. You have a Minute Maid ballpark. They have a train in the left field. Like every time it's a home run, it starts going with a human-operated train. You have the Crawford boxes. These like little boxes that shoot out in the field. In um, left center, there's like a wall that you can just look down, and there's since there's nothing else there, you just look right down onto the field. It's a great place to watch a baseball game. It's American sports, but it's so much different to the UK, where it's most like live gladiatorial combat in the stands. Yeah, exactly. Sort of like, yeah. It's funny because like they also used to have a hill in dead center uh, called mm-hmm. Towers Hill at Minute Maid Ballpark, and it'd be fun. You just watch a center fielder going full bore. And then all of a sudden he's got to run up a hill to go and catch a ball, but they got rid of it because they were worried about player safety. Right. Yeah. But what I want to talk about is, for those of you, if you're a Yankee fan, obviously you're going to be rooting for the Yankees. If you're an Astros fan, you're obviously going to be rooting for the Astros. Yeah. If you have no, uh, if you have no horse in this race, go Yankees. Then I want to make the case for why you should definitely not be rooting for the New York Yankees yeah. to make it to the World Series. Okay. Go for it. Let's start with this fact. Okay, it's a fact. Yankees fans are the most insuff- unsufferable, insufferable, whatever the hell the right word is, just annoying, obnoxious fans in all of American sports. Every sport has them. Every sport, Every sport has, has them. them. Man United fans, Yankees fans. Exactly. When you have that much success in your history, yep. 26 all, World Series. 27, yeah. I think 27, it is. Yeah. And as if these people were alive to see these 27. Yeah, you got to see the ones in the 90s. Congratulations. Right. Yeah, you saw Nick Swisher yeah. kind of yeah. waddle his way into the... <laughs> You know, and, and I will not, my dad, born and raised in the Bronx, diehard Yankees fan. He's a horrible person. He's a horrible <laughs> person because he is a Yankees fan. So, I Fortunately, my brother also, my brother became a Mets fan. Yeah. My wife is Brooklyn, born and raised, you know, also a horrible person, Yankees fan. So, Yankees you know, fan, horrible person. Sorry, Veronica. So, yeah, I mean, listen, you know, you married wrong. You, you chose poorly. She's a wonderful woman, great for her. I don't know how the hell you convince her to marry you, but still, she's a Yankees fan. She's a Yankees fan. Horrible person. And henceforth, I'm a Yankees fan because I inherited that and therefore a horrible person. Until so you're becoming a horrible person. But you were already a Chelsea fan, so everybody just assumed yeah, you were a horrible person. I was kind of halfway there, person. exactly. Yeah. Right, yes. Yeah. Halfway there. So, <laughs> think about it. These are the same fans at game game three, after they lost two games to Cleveland, come back to the Bronx like, okay, but now we're home, we're going to win. What do they do? They announce Joe Girardi, the manager, who's won a World Series with them, who, as a manager, who won World Series, plural, with them as a player. What do they do to him when they announce him? They boom. In Yankee Stadium, they boom. The man that led his team to the AL East. I swear uh, to God, that man was going to lose his job if they didn't win that. Even afterwards, the the post-match interview, he was like, I won't forget what these players did for me today. It's like, that's Joe Girardi, man. I mean, come on. I hope he flips off. I hope in in the middle of the series he flips off everybody and just says, I quit. Because (laughs) the, the fact that they were booing him, it's like, fine, you don't want him to be your manager. You know, at the end of the year, you can have this conversation. But to boo the man on the home field, the man that's won your World Series, you're a horrible fan base. You're a horrible group of people. Yankees fans, yeah. horrible people. So <laughs> you're the same people that, you know, they talked about, you know, they, they're they now going through this renaissance again. So in the 90s, they built a team up through their farm system the way that most baseball teams go about it. But the Yankees have always outspent everybody. This is only in recent years that other teams have finally caught up to them. So in the 2000s, when their payroll was close to 200 million, where the next closest team was about 100 million, right? They're like, we need Jason Giambi. They go get Jason Giambi, two-time MVP. Oh, he's not hitting as well as like, boo this man. We need Alex Rodriguez, best player in all baseball. Oh, he's not hitting that well as boo this man because he's not just quite doing as great as we thought he was gonna do. 
just a bunch of assholes are these fans. Spoiled, spoiled brat assholes. Okay? Okay. So. <laughs> Counterpoint. Counterpoint. <laughs> Counterpoint. Yes. The Yankees are the most famous, possibly the most famous sports team in the entire world, I would say. That's probably true. Probably uh, true. More than Man United, do you uh, think? More than Man United, I reckon. Okay. Like, probably through hip-hop and everything else and everyone wearing the Yankees cap being like the most iconic it's an sports. It's icon, and, yes. Um, so the Yankees are an international ambassador for baseball as a whole. Okay. Um, having them get to a World Series is good for baseball internationally. It generates a lot of interest. Oh, baseball in it, so, Des- you know, definitely yeah, wants yeah. the Yankees to win this series. Rather than the Houston Astros. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. very much. Uh, second counterpoint, the Mets suck, Queens are dump, and the only reason people support them half the time is because they hate the Yankees. So <laughs> what are we left for? But the City the Field is so. superior to Yankees. The new City Field, yeah. you know, new Shea, is superior to new Yankee Stadium. There's so oh, it's such sure. a yeah. much more ni- yeah. a nicer environment. To city watch Field. I, mean, I live by City Field. I, I live in Queens, which is why I can say it's a dump. But yeah. like, it's a it's a nice ground. But like half the Mets fans, I, I don't live to, in Queens. Queens is a dump. Queens is a dump. Exactly. <laughs> um, Half the Mets fans are speaking to say, well, well, what are we going to do? Support the Yankees. I was like, yeah. well, I can just support the fucking team, man. I mean, come on. So you're in New York, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like, you either support... It's like the Jets and the Giants, right? No one wants to support the Jets because they suck the whole time, but yeah. no one really wants to support the Giants either. Yeah. Well, um, if you come in and you become a Yankees fan, like, yeah. fine, you know, your wife born... You know, just born into the family, and I feel yeah. bad you're born into this Yankees family. It's like, yeah. You're not even original. At least when I walk down the street in a Houston hat... You know, there's a little bit of cachet to that, I my friend. I think my grandfather was a was a Dodger as well, actually. Like back in the day, there's a photo of him and like actually playing for the actually back playing, when yeah, they were yeah. the Brooklyn Dodgers. Back when they were the Brooklyn Dodgers, so I think there is a family connection there. So just to exonerate her slightly, but so still, she should yeah. have stayed with the National League because. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's like you listen to people talk about Derek Jeter like he's the greatest baseball player ever. It's like God, he was he's a Hall of Famer, he's a great baseball player. He's not even close to being the best shortstop of his own generation. Yeah. He wasn't the best shortstop on his team once A-Rod got there. Yeah. A-Rod just, as a charming man that he was, moved over to third base. <laughs> and now you hear about Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge, my God. the this We are going to grow to hate Aaron Judge because we're going to be seeing this guy yeah. way too much I mean, if I've, he has any talent. I've seen a few Yankees games this season uh, against the Red Sox particularly and they're making such a transparent play to make him the new Jeter. He's yeah. a fucking rookie. New Jeter, I mean, just so you know, so this year he was by Fangraphs. So Fangraphs has been charting this idea of clutch. So big at bats and big moments late in the game. So they've been doing it since 1974. Aaron Judge is the worst hitter in the history of this ranking, since 1974... What, clutches and, like, game-winning kind of... Uh, so, 7th, 8th, in important yeah, yeah. game situations. Yeah, yeah. Worse in the history of baseball. Wow. No other person ranks as badly as him. And then we saw it in the playoffs here. He set the record for most four strikeout games. How do you strike out four uh, times in a baseball game? Uh, okay, but by other measures, he's had a pretty successful rookie season. Great, right? se- great rookie yeah, season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't even know if... He's yeah, not the second coming yeah. of Christ that the Yankees are trying to make him out to be. But like, yes. you know, it's sort of, and he's a versatile rounder. He's like a giant. But because he's a Yankee, and because the Yankees are the most popular team in the world, they're just going to shove him down our throats for the oh, next man. decade, I and I hate it. I can't wait until the collective aneurysm when he moves to San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> But so I mean, like, yeah, they got a pretty. I mean, I don't know. What do you reckon? Like three, four game. Like, what do you reckon the series result? Like, I'm, I, I think it'll be four, one, four, two Astros. But yeah, you know, who knows? You know, the Astros are due to this place. But let, let me make the case for why you should root for the Astros. So rather than right, trashing so, so, yeah. on the New York Yankees, okay. First of all, we have 
the heart and soul of the team, Jose Altuve. Okay. If this man played in New York, he would be talked about in such higher regard than Derek Jeter ever was oh, yeah. talked about. It's between him and Judge for MVP, right? For yeah. Season, so. And yeah. the fact that a, Altuve has been doing things that have never been done. Four straight years uh, leading the AL in hits. He has three batting titles. He uh, first player in the history of baseball with multiple twenty home run, thirty stolen base, two hundred hit games. He's only five foot six, and by all accounts, he's really about five foot five, five foot five. <laughs> he's really stretching that extra inch. Tiny little man, and this guy is just a monster out there. Yeah. So you have him. You have Carlos Correa, who's the best hitting shortstop that we've seen since Alex Rodriguez. Big hulking. Um, guy, hopefully he's on the amount of steroids that A-Rod was. I'm okay with my players taking steroids. I hope that they all are. <laughs> um, then we have, if you, for our Jewish fans out there, we have Alex Bregman, arguably the best Jewish athlete in the world right now, and he will become the best Jewish baseball player since Sandy Koufax. Nice. So you want to root for this man, Alex Bregman. Young kid. You get on the bandwagon now. You have Dallas Keigel, the pitcher, with his magnificent, glorious beard that looks similar to mine, but only better and more glorious. You gotta root for like that kind of a beard with all these Yankees. Oh, we don't allow any shit. We, you can't have facial hair because you're a New York Yankee. Screw that. We say grow your grow your beard big and long. Brian McCann, former catcher of the Yankees, our little sheriff, our cop, and then we have Josh Reddick, who runs around the locker room in. In briefs that of the American flag, it's fantastic. It's a real patriot. <laughs> but most importantly, why do you want the Astros to make it to the World Series? Because if you're going to watch the World Series, you know who will be in the stands for every single game? Kate Upton, who is dating Justin Berlin. He might be married. I'm not sure. But you want that just for Kate Upton? Just for the visuals. Yeah. I mean, come on, Kate Upton. And then my favorite president ever. George H.W. Bush, um, him and Barbara back when they were in better health. Old than Teddy Roosevelt? I didn't. I wasn't alive during Teddy. I know I'm old. I'm te- my favorite president during my lifetime. Right, right, yeah. right, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, behind, they used to have season tickets right behind home plate. So W, he was the Texas Rangers guy. We don't like him. Okay? Right. H.W. Yeah. and Barbara Houston, boom, right behind home plate every game. This is why you're going to want to root for the Houston Astros. Houston probably use this as well. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, also, and then, yeah. finally, you know, come on now. You know, yeah. Were you rooting for Arizona versus New York in 2001? I hope not, you know, because unless you were a Diamondbacks <laughs> fan, you know, bad things happen in the city. Yeah. You want that city to rise up, you know, Boston with the Boston bombings. You want to get behind those kind of things, and these people need uh, something to brighten them up. And also, if the Yankees lose, maybe they'll stop making that stupid advert with Didi Gregorius driving around New York throwing sunflower seeds at people or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like vaguely racist. I don't know. It's just just like, yeah. <laughs> but it's just really bizarre. But, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Many reasons not to root for the Yankees and to root for the Houston Astros. I hope that I made a good case for you. I hope that if you were on the fence, that yeah. I sold you on it. I mean, I, I'm pretending to care so much about this, but I really don't. But, yeah. you know, You're just going to have to sit there and watch I'm going to have to sit there and watch every game because it's going to be on there. She's already got a wall paint out. So, well, it's yeah. good because Alice... She's a diehard Cleveland Indians fan. So Ooh. when she moved from Manila, she moved to um, to Cleveland, uh, right outside of Cleveland, Garrettsville. And so I was very, very happy that that was going to create a little well, bit of an awkward environment. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that worked out well for me. That her team lost and she had to suffer. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> all right. All right well, we'll, have a, we'll have a recap of this next week. I'll call in from Toronto or something. Yeah, exactly. We can post more <laughs> some of the shit out of it. That's a good point. I'm going to be in Toronto for most of this. Thank God. 
Yeah. 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 So actually, you're going to escape. You, you don't really have to watch it. I'm going to have to take, should be quizzing me on it. <laughs> yeah. No, it will be uh, Friday and Saturday, the first two games. Uh, so Sunday, no game. Then Monday's game three. So. Yeah. No. But as badly as I spoke of the Yankees, if anybody has uh, tickets, I know Bill Hartz, I think he has like um, season tickets. I will gladly, you know, sit there in silence and watch the game yeah. if you want to get me good seats. He won't even game. look at you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll buy you a beer and everything, man. That'll be great. All right, that's all I got. That's all I got. All right, well, uh, we'll be back with some Cybos coverage next week. Until then, enjoy your week.